1: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: He was in a death row with that old gear. I got around, thumbed him in the eye, picked him off the ground, picked him out of the water so he couldn't get anywhere until he let the dog go and in the interim he decided well okay i don't have him i'll bite you no hesitation it's just the way it is that is a floridian i believe florida man yep who, who wrestled a gator to save his dog wow thumbed a gator in the eye is a great start to some sort of banjo tune Yes. <laughs> well, I thumbed
3: the gator in the eye. Let my go.
4: Him in his other eye. I said, I'm... "So hold on, I got to hear this." Rough. rough draft. What, what was the play-by? He thumbed him in the eye, and then he lifted the gator out of the water. Right. He was in a death roll with that old gator. I got around, thumbed him in the eye, picked him off the ground, picked him out of the water, so he couldn't get anywhere until he let the dog go. And in the interim, he decided, well, okay, I don't have him, I'll bite you. No hesitation. It's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Wow.
3: He even navigated the death row. Tell you what, I hope Judy's not listening with Baxter listening in, but Gator gets my dog, which is extremely unlikely,
4: by the way. Um, The Gator gets my dog, I'm going to shout, we'll throw you a nice funeral. I don't... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm doubling down on uh training for my dog to avoid gators. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, ounce of prevention, right? Yes. Uh,
3: although, you know, it depends on the size of the gator. I saw zero alligators in Florida when I was there this weekend, though. I was very disappointed. I was, I was very excited about that prospect, but there were none. Of course, I was in Tampa St. Pete, which is like, tourists in a city and stuff so um they probably don't have them running around there much uh it depends on the size of the gator i mean if it's like a three footer and it's got my dog in its jaws and i figure okay i can effectively pick this thing up right right and and get it out of its natural environment if it's like some sort of seven foot alligator though i just uh, again I'll, i'll throw a nice memorial service for my dog i'm not fighting a damn gator Anyway, he did. Thumbed him in the eye. Lifted him up so he couldn't get anywhere till he let the dog go. <laughs> no, no hesitation. It's no, just man. the way it is. It's just the way it is. The way it
4: is is you gouge gators in the eye to get your dog out of their jaws. It, That's how it is. It is remarkable in emergency situations what humans are capable of. right? Oh, and, and in goodness. his mind, my dog is in danger. He went into emergency response mode. Yeah, he thumbed the gator in the eye. It's just the way it is. Well, that is
3: the way it is. Uh, Clearly, he assessed it probably in the blink of an eye, which reminds me, God, I hate the term in a nanosecond. Why does everybody have to say a nanosecond? That's like a thousandth of a second. It was probably more like one second or two. Stop saying nanosecond. It's a cliche. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he, he assessed the situation in the blink of the eye. His animal brain said, that asset is valuable to me. And
4: I think I can win the fight and dove in. That, that gator has an unprotected eye. Right. I have thumbs. Exactly. Let it's me just think. the way it is. Let <laughs> me
3: think. Thumb, eye, eye, thumb. Wait! Wait a minute. I have some. No, it's all in- incredibly instinctive and quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got to admit, it's, it's funny. It just it flashed into my consciousness. I have small dog prejudice. I have small dog racism. I was thinking, I'm not sure I would save that little dog, because it's a little dog. What's wrong with me? I, I like little... I've always been a big dog guy, but I remember our old boss, Alan, had a, a, a Pomeranian. Is that the little fluff uh-huh. Yeah. Named Princess, of all things. Of course. <laughs> which I snickered at when he'd mention her. Uh, and then I met Princess one day, and it was the most endearing creature I've ever come in contact with. It was unbelievably sweet. I would like to apologize to small dog people for my unconscious bias. This is critical dog theory being played out right here. <laughs> my unconscious biases. Anyway, so uh, speaking of, uh, you know, woke nonsense and, and crap, uh, this is unbelievable. This went You know, my radar did not pick uh, this up last week, but... I am, I'm going to quote to you from a piece Bradley Niez wrote on Medium.com, which is, and he's a he's a liberal fellow, and it's a fairly liberal uh, website, but as I understand it. He said, if I hadn't read it, I would not believe it. I have read it, and I'm wondering if I was in a daze. Last week, 467 former Jeopardy contestants collaborated on a letter that was signed and sent to the producers of Jeopardy regarding recent contestant Kelly Donahue's alleged racist behavior, demanding that he apologize for it and disavow white supremacy. That letter was published at Medium.com. What did Donahue do that was so egregious it compelled the former Jeopardy contestants to team up to pen this letter? When he was introduced on day four of his three-day winning streak, he held up three fingers and tapped his chest, signifying the three wins. The two previous days, he had held up one finger and then two fingers after he'd won once and twice. Now, I'm explaining this to you as if you're a stupid, stupid person, because even a stupid, stupid person can follow that. But Jeopardy! viewers saw it, took to social media, claimed Donahue was flashing the three-percenter sign that the far-right anti-government group white supremacist Jews. And as these things tend to do on social media these days, particularly in regards to racism, the story got around to the right people. People who have the clout to make the story go viral. People who have the clout to demand something be done about it. We have come full circle. The whole white supremacist thing is so boogity, boogity, boogity. It's the new, you remember this? You remember the alt-right where you couldn't not hear the term alt-right less than 27 times a day from the corporate media, the lefty media. Just absolutely absurd. Now it's white supremacist, boogity, boogity, boogity which is not to say there are no white supremacists, because they are, and they're nut jobs, and, and the racism is d- despicable and the rest of it, but this has become such a fundamentalist religion to the point there that there were no dissent among the former Jeopardy contestants who signed off on the letter. If there were, they were drowned out by the sheer volume and the anger and the vehemence of the, the other folks. Um... The impetus, blah, 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 for the the three-finger gesture that Donahue made during his introduction, um, blah, blah, blah. But then, all reasonableness vanished when Donahue signified his third win. Instead of Denny, they set up at length of one win, then the two wins, then the three wins. Uh, instead of believing Donahue was merely signifying his third win, they believed that he had also intentionally or unintentionally flashed a white power sign. The letter clearly stated that the way he fashioned his fingers, quote, was not a clear-cut symbol for the number three. To paraphrase, and remember, this is written by a liberal, to paraphrase holding up three fingers after winning three times is not a clear-cut symbol for the number three they said the fashion in which he held his fingers is akin to a widely known symbol commonly used by the three percenters boogity, boogity, which is believed by many to be a symbol of white supremacy the anti-defamation league lists this particular three-finger sign also known as the okay sign as a symbol of white supremacy on their website That is partly true, but I actually went to the ADL website, and the ADL is like uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. They exist to identify what they claim is discrimination, racism, and the rest of it. That's how they raise money. Anybody to the right of Mitt Romney is a lunatic, and the rest of it. But they point out on their actual website the okay hand gesture in which the thumb and index fingers touch while the other fingers in the hand... Well, we all know what it looks like. Is an okay. obvious and ancient gesture that has arisen in many cultures over the years with different meanings, etc. cetera. In, you know, in, in Mexico, it's you're an a-hole if you give that A-OK sign. So be careful in Mexico, or at least that's what I'm told. But anyway, um, everybody knows that that's what it is. And the ADL points out that the whole... Uh, Okay, sign is white power was a hoax started by members of the website 4chan to troll lefties. It was a joke to arouse lefties to every time they saw the OK sign, which is universal, practically, in the English speaking world. They wanted you to freak out and say, oh, the white supremacists, boogity, boogity, boogity. But it was a joke. Now, complicating things slightly is the fact that some actual white supremacists thought, you know, it does kind of make a W and a P for white power. Maybe we'll actually go ahead and use that. So, again, to what extent anybody is using it to mean that nobody knows and, and it doesn't matter anyway. But getting back to the insane Jeopardy story. After originally responding to the backlash, the poor contestant guy, Mr. Donahue, he stated on his Facebook page, look, three means three. But he was soon bullied and terrified into removing his perfectly reasonable explanation because the anger and the, and the, and the cries for vengeance were reaching fever pitch and he was afraid. And he had to publicly apologize, quote, unquote, for the misunderstanding. And he issued a statement condemning white supremacy. Now, getting into Brad Neese's piece, which is uh, it's, it's very nicely written and, and proof that we don't have to hate people we disagree with on stuff because there's plenty of common ground. He says, this is where we are in 2021. I hate racism. I stand opposed to it. I've written, written numerous articles on the subject and will write many more. But this has to stop. I believe looking for racism under every rock is as unhelpful and divisive as ignoring its resistance. I'm sorry, ignoring its existence. I'm reading while I'm talking. Reading ahead. There's enough in our world to be offended by without manufacturing a story where there is no story. Manufacturing racism where there is no racism. The term woke gets a bad rap, but it's one thing to be woke, but this letter and the attitude behind it is something altogether different. It's not woke at all. This is defamation. This is libel. Kelly Donahue Donahue held up three fingers on Jeopardy to signify his three wins. Nothing more. Nothing should have been more clear-cut. Not today. Not in 2021. Few desire civil discourse as much as they desire public and figurative flogging, uh, which is a good point. None of the 467 co-signers. Now they're almost 600. This is growing, folks. This stupidity isn't shrinking. It's growing. But he says none of the 600 people got to know Kelly Donahue. Donahue. They merely got wind that he held up three fingers in a way that could be construed as racist. Apparently, if you've been a Jeopardy consistent, you have the ability to gain accents to the other contestants. They have like a little club. But nobody reached out to Donahue before jumping to that conclusion. I don't blame Donahue for caving to the pressure to make a public apology and admonition of white supremacy, even though he did nothing wrong. And even though he knows it is he who is owed an apology, he knew what was at stake. He knew he could lose his job, maybe his marriage, his family and his friends if he didn't. Being a pariah for a few days was enough for him. He knows the climate in which we now live. It's bow or get canceled. Whether you did anything wrong or not doesn't matter. Protesting against the evils of racism is a good thing, but defamation is evil. It's criminal, but not today. In most instances, if there are enough of the right people doing the defaming, no one is off limits. Just crazy. Um, I'll go ahead and read his conclusion because I think it's pretty good. The great divide in our country is not due to any one person. It's due to the people of this country who are hell-bent on proving how self-righteous and right they are at every turn, perpetually on the lookout for ways to exalt themselves and condemn others. God can certainly help us, but I fear he's leaving us to our own devices. Please put down your weapons. And that's the point I've been making for a long time. Most of this aspersion casting, rock throwing, canceling, Uh, calling people out it's it's a way it's people saying look how righteous I am I'm better than them I am up here look at me pointing down at them look at me I am pure they are a sinner that's disgusting Jesus warned us against that if you're an atheist it makes you look like an a-hole all right. I hope that's reason enough. Good piece uh, by Bradley Neese. The world has gone nuts. Ignore these people. Resist them. Don't be afraid uh, of them, and don't apologize to them if you can't. Stay with us.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Last Ohio State University there. reported that a massage therapist, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> reported that a massage therapist had sex with at least 5 of their football players. This story was first reported in a pitch to high school recruits.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, surely that's uh, harassment or something terrible. You know, I'm I'm tempted to go back to the Jeopardy story just cuz I, I left out some of the particular quotes. From the outraged woke Jeopardy contestants protesting that a guy had allegedly given a white power symbol, we'll get to that a little bit later on in the hour. I've just I got to sprinkle them in. They what are is so a tease. Yeah, they they are so utterly panty wadded and hand flapping and oh, they have the vapors. Oh no, acting like some Victorian twit. Just so aggrieved. What uh, whatever happened to toughness in this country? Why, why is everybody so anxious to be brought to their knees by fear and grief? That, that, that's not a quality to respect. Oh, by the way, uh, two pounds. I gained two pounds over the weekend. Well, two and a half. Okay, two and a half pounds over the weekend.
4: And we know at least some of that is from your waffle taco, or from your waffle cone that was filled Full with... with... coconut shrimp. God, that sounds good.
3: Yeah, yeah I, I was in uh, Tampa St. Pete uh, meeting a friend. I know it seems crazy, but I just did it, and uh, and we ended up going to two Rays games. We enjoyed the first one so much it was walkout victory. We decided to go again the next day. It was a day game, and so uh, and and I enjoyed the waffle cone full of coconut shrimp game one so much I, I had it again game two. Yes, and I ate the entire waffle cone <laughs> and all of the shrimp. Obviously, uh, I have no Even the idea. tails. I have no idea. Oh, they're perfectly clean. You can <laughs> pop them in your mouth, man. Fully prepped for your baseball enjoyment. Washed down by Tanqueray and Tonics, by the way. I get too full with beer. You have to pee too much. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, on a much more uh, serious note, uh, do we have time for this? No, we don't. We do not. I'm going to do this instead. Audible. 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 Changing the play at the line. All right. Got, got this note from Barry. My check from Joe Biden. I just received personal notification from Joe Biden telling me that $1,400 would be put into my bank account. How does he know my bank account number? Where did he get the money from? I really don't care. And here's the part I, I like the best. I'm going to use the money to pay part of my taxes. So let's consider what's happening here. The government is out of thin air borrowing money on behalf of future taxpayers. They're creating money that doesn't exist that will eventually have to get paid back through taxes or inflation. They're doing that to write checks to people who are using them to pay their taxes. As the kids say, WT, either H or F, depending on which way you swing. What is happening here? What is
0: this called? What will this bring? What? What? Armstrong and Getty.
5: You can listen to the Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Well, we hope.
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
6: Well, we hope that it doesn't continue very long, but uh, we were attacked by Hamas on uh, our national day, Jerusalem Day. uh, Attacks, unprovoked attacks on Jerusalem, uh, and then thousands of rockets and missiles on our cities. uh, And I think any country uh, has to defend itself. It has a natural right of self-defense. We'll do whatever it takes to restore order and quiet. Uh, and on the security of our people and deterrence, we're trying to degrade Hamas's terrorist abilities and to degrade their will to do this again. So it'll take some time. I hope it won't take long, but it's not immediate.
3: Fighting in the uh, Israel, Israel Israeli occupied territories, Gaza Strip, etc., than anybody's seen in years and years and years. It came out of nowhere, more or less. It surprised virtually everybody. We'll tell you how it got to that point in a moment or two. But first, a little more from. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, in 61, Sean.
6: Frankly, uh, if Hamas thought that they could just fire on our rockets and then sit back and enjoy uh, immunity, uh, that's false. We are targeting a terrorist organization that is targeting our civilians and hiding behind their civilians, using them as human shields. We're doing everything we can to hit the terrorists themselves, their rockets, their rocket caches, and their arms. uh, But we're not going to... Uh, Just let them get away with it. Neither would you. I mean, Mm -hmm. you just imagine what would have happened if uh, you had uh, 2,900 rockets fired on Washington and New York and others. I think you you would understand our position. I think you do, actually.
3: I want to get into the the what happened and why it happened. But just as an aside, it's really interesting to watch the narratives uh, form up in the U.S., on the left and the right. um, And how, you know, obviously I'm on the right and I'm a big supporter of Israel. And I understand completely that they're doing what they need to do. They have faced an existential threat, meaning their existence could end since the day Israel was founded. And when you are in that sort of jeopardy, uh, not a reference to the previous segment, um, you have to fight hard and you have to get ugly sometimes. And there's no doubt that what's going on is ugly. And but you have to because people on the left, because the Palestinians are the weaker party. Um, because they will lose every fight with Israel. Obviously, they're the good guy. It's under dogma. The, it's the oppressor and the oppressed. And obviously, always the, the weaker party is the, the righteous party and the good party. It's a per, it's a, a weird lens with which to view the world. Um, and, uh, having said that, war is ugly and it is often the, the shopkeeper, the mother, the child, the guy who just wants to live his life and go home at the end of the day who end up getting screwed by war. But the idea that Israel should what? Just let Hamas send rockets into their midst and not do anything?
4: Sean made a pretty good point off the air a couple minutes ago. Fire away there, P.S. This notion that, and I'll just use a famous boxer just for the the metaphor, that I can never beat Mike Tyson in a fight, that he must tolerate No, uh, any number of me just approaching him and punching him in the face. Oh, because ultimately you
3: could never beat him. Yeah, I can. He's a bully if he retaliates or like seeks to prevent that ever happening again.
4: Right. And I, I, that's, that's the part of the argument that I struggle with the most. I just, uh, that fundamentally doesn't make sense to me. Right. Or or indeed, at some point after you've
3: uh, sucker punched Mike Tyson for say the third time, he might think, I'm going to so severely thrash his ass, he never thinks about trying that again which would be a, a fairly reasonable response. Uh, don't let me forget, I want to play that last BB Netanyahu clip in a couple of months ago, but uh, there was a really good uh, uh, dealio, a description written up by, I like to give credit where it's due, because this is really good writing, Patrick Kingsley, who writes about foreign affairs for the New York Times, which has been remarkably even-handed, at least in its news coverage. There are times, I think, there are just times, I'm not saying I've decided, But there are times, I think, there is hope for America's media. And then, you know, they they piss me off again. But So here's the story. 27 days before the first rocket was fired, a squad of Israeli cops, just police officers, entered the Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. And they strode across the courtyard and allegedly they turned off the, the loudspeakers that broadcast prayers to the faithful there at the mosque. If you're not familiar with uh, Jerusalem, it's the seat of three great religions, isn't uh, Judaism, Christianity and, and Islam chronologically. Um, what happened was. The Israeli president was delivering a speech at the Western Wall, a sacred Jewish site that lies below the mosque. I mean, these places are all so close. They're within, you know, as a golfer, they're within like a seven iron of each other. A lot of these holy sites of the different religions. And they have to coexist. And and Jerusalem's a really interesting place. I've not been there to my regret. Um, I would like to someday soon, I hope, um, but probably not very soon, given what 's happening uh, but it's it 's fascinating because all of these these cultures and religions and like the holiest of their shrines are all cheek Bajawl next to each other so it 's a little uneasy, but everybody tries to be cool and and honor the other ones and the rest of it but so anyway, the Israeli president is delivering a speech at the western wall, which is like right there by this super crazy holy mosque, right. And Israeli officials are thinking, well, wait a minute, if you're broadcasting the prayers over these loudspeakers right there, they're going to drown out our speech. And the speech was for, and I apologize, I don't have it right in front of me, it is a a day commemorating Israeli losses in war. It's their sacred Memorial Day. In the United States, to my frustration, often Memorial Day is is, uh, an excuse to have hot dogs and drink beer with our friends in the sunshine, which is a wonderful thing to do, and and I'm so glad we're going to be able to get back to that soon. But outside of of some of y'all, and God bless you for this, um, we don't really observe Memorial Day for what it is. But in Israel, by golly, they do. So, anyway... This uh, this was the turning point. The cops going in there in the holy, holy mosque and turning off the uh, speakers, no matter what anybody wanted, pissed people off, apparently. And uh, to quote, again, the New York Times piece, that deterioration has been far more devastating, far-reaching, and fast-paced than anyone imagined. It's led to the worst violence between Israelis and Palestinians in years, not only in the conflict with Hamas, which has killed quite a number of people, but in a wave of mob attacks in mixed Arab-slash-Jewish cities in Israel. So neighbors are turning on each other. It's like living in Portland, where people get dragged out of their cars and get beaten down in lawless uh, surroundings. We because uh, of ideology, or at least downtown Portland. Um, so all this uh, spawned unrest in cities across the occupied West Bank. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the crisis came as the Israeli government was struggling to form. Once again, they're having trouble forming the, the government, building a coalition Um and it was the growth of outgrowth of years of blockades and restrictions in Gaza, decades of occupations in the West Bank, decades more of discrimination against Arabs within the state of Israel, said a former speaker of the Israeli parliament. It is an uneasy relationship between the Israelis and Palestinians in the occupied territories and in Israel proper. It is uneasy, says uh, this one Israeli politician. All of the, all the enriched uranium was already in place, but you needed a trigger, and the trigger was the Oksa Mosque. And they mention how it's been seven years since the last significant conflict with Hamas, sixteen since the last major Palestinian uprising or Intifada. There was no major unrest during Trump's entire term, even as we moved the capital. Uh, officially recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital, which, of course, the lefty media had screamed, oh, no, this is going to cause them. No, it didn't really cause anything. Everything, Everybody was fine. There were no mass protests after four Arab countries normalized relations with Israel, abandoning a long-held consensus. They would never do so until a Palestinian-Israeli and Israeli conflict had been resolved. What's more than that, the Israeli military, in private briefings, said the biggest threat was Iran and everything's pretty calm with the the Palestinians and everything's great. When diplomats met in March with the two generals who oversee administrating uh, Gaza and the West Bank, the pair was relaxed about the possibility of significant violence and celebrating an extended period of relative quiet. Gaza was struggling to overcome a wave of coronavirus. Uh, everybody was looking forward to the first elections in 15 years, including Hamas. And in Gaza, where the Israeli blockade had contributed to an unemployment rate where everybody was pretty tense, um, Hamas's popularity was dwindling as Palestinians spoke increasingly of the need to prioritize the economy over war. So everybody was like, it's, you know, look, let's, let's just calm everything down. Enough with the politics. Let's, let's keep everybody safe. Let's do some business. Let's lower the unemployment. Let's make sure COVID doesn't, you know, uh, kill everybody and the rest of it. And then the, uh, the whole speech thing happened. And, you know, you got the people on different sides saying different things. Here's this one, uh, shake. Without a doubt, it was clear to us that the Israeli police wanted to desecrate the mosque and the holy month of Ramadan. Spokesman for the president said, look, we just didn't think it would be cool if the speech got drowned out as he was saluting Israel, Israel's war dead. We thought that would cause a freak out. So we asked them to not broadcast, not blare out the speakers for a little while and they didn't. So we turned them off. Um, so it's just, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's just, it's a tinderbox. Sorry for the, the terrible cliche, but it is. Um, you had and, that other clip you wanted to get through, too? Just yeah, right, right. Thank you for the reminder. I was just going to say, I, I think, and I've been following this since I was a kid. I was a weird little kid.
0: Uh,
3: read the news all the time. And in the 70s, when I was growing up, the Israeli, uh, the Arab-Israeli crisis, as it was constantly called, it was always the lead international story, except for, like, the Soviet Union stuff. Um, and... There were peace deals cooked up and near misses and the rest of it and the two-state solution I've been hearing about for God knows how long, 25 years. Um, and, and it is pretty clear to me, Israel has just decided complete victory is the only way. I mean, we will, we will have a gentle and uncomfortable peace as long as it's peaceful. But the minute, uh, getting back to Sean's uh, silly Mike Tyson metaphor, the minute somebody takes a poke at us, we are no longer going to have a proportionate response. We're going to whoop them. We're going to whoop them hard. And prevent this from happening again. And uh, I think that's what Bibi Netanyahu is saying in this next clip.
6: Now imagine, ask yourself, how is that possible? You see these high-rise towers that are used by Hamas over and over again. They collapse and no one is killed. Why does that happen? Because we, unlike Hamas, take special precautions to tell people, leave the building. Leave the premises. We make sure that everyone is gone before we bring down those terrorist facilities. And that's the difference between Israel and Hamas. They deliberately target our cities, deliberately target our civilians. They glorify the death of children and, yeah. and uh, civilians and old people. They are happy with it. I think they're happy with uh, any deaths that are caused to them. We grieve for every non-combatant loss in Gaza, and we grieve for all our civilians I'm who die. We don't. We're not happy with it, and we try to minimize it.
3: You know, one of the things about uh, getting to middle age is you realize there are some problems that are never solved. You can't solve them. You just have to deal with them. You have to manage them. You can't solve them, you have to manage them. Whether it's a chronic health condition or a uh a child with special needs or 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 whatever. Or, you know, maybe you just you, you come to accept your life a little more comfortably, I think. Uh, and I think Israel now, gosh, coming up on three-quarters of a century, well, no, not quite, but well past half a century after their founding, um, they're just realizing Israel being stuck where they are, surrounded by the people they're surrounded with, their uneasy relationship with some of the people within their country. That's a problem that will not be solved, and it just has to be managed. And there's going to be no glorious two-state solution. Uh, I would you know, with all due respect to religion and the rest of it, especially in that part of the world, I wish it would just get more secularized. I believe what you believe about God, but quit killing people over it, you know um, But again, and I believe this, and uh, apologies if it's just a clever saying, but um, if Hamas laid down their arms, there would be no more no more war. And if Israel laid down their arms, there would be no more Israel. So you can understand the Israeli point of view. All right, something uh, much lighter to come, uh, including the U.S. Army, among the main threats that they are ready for. Go ahead, take a guess. Nope, no, nope, sorry, climate change. The U.S. Army is evidently going to shoot and bomb climate change into submission. The details are next.
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: After the announcement, President Biden told Americans to take off your mask and smile. (laughs) Even though take it off and smile is the first example in every workplace harassment seminar.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's come on. Oh,
0: that reminds
3: me big story out uh I guess Bill Gates was just tomcatting it up at Microsoft. He had a long-time relationship with one gal, he's hitting on other ones, he's just Bill, you're the richest freaking guy in the world for like thirty years. Pay some matchmaker under the table to bring you some sugar baby or something. Or or divorce your what you, know, you can't hit on people at work these days. Uh, maybe that maybe he is the geek he seems to be doesn't get that. Hey, you want to uh, I don't know, go out sometime? I'm the founder of the company and you know I'm married and I'm doing this at work, but hey, I just don't get I don't, I don't get it. I don't get people. Talking about uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, interesting fact from uh, my old buddy Mike the lawyer, Reggie Jackson and Benjamin Netanyahu went to high school together in the 60s in North Philly area. I did not know that Mr. October and Mr. Right Wing Israeli politics going to high school together. Just makes you stop and think. <laughs> what? We don't know yet. But you I, gotta yeah.
4: stop and think about
3: it. I I'm I'm not coming up with anything <laughs> at all. And obviously uh the situation in Israel is more even it's even more complicated than I was talking about. There's just there's so many internal factors on both sides and and uh, and Hamas, for instance whose ratings, their their popularity have been going down, down, down because of economic problems caused mostly by trading ordinance with the Israelis from time to time, which screws up normal people's lives, who just want to make a living and get home to their family at the end of the day. And they were starting to resent it. They felt like, you know, my life would be better if we could just make peace with these people. So their popularity is fading. But then with that incident at the mosque we told you about, Hamas sees an opportunity to really seize the day and say, we are your brave defenders, and, and, and pump up their... uh credibility again meanwhile bb netanyahu who's uh, hanging by a thread he can't get a coalition together he's being prosecuted for various bribery charges or whatever which seems to be going on and on and on but anyway he, he's he's starting to lose credibility with the right what what could give him more credibility than whooping the hell out of hamas and so again it's so difficult to assess foreign policy decisions people uh, countries make without understanding their their domestic policies. um Anyway, another st- stray note. Uh, my buddy Mike the Lawyer, like me, went to a Major League Baseball game over the weekend for the first time in forever. He, uh, in Chicago, saw the Sox take on the hated Royals of Kansas City. I'm kidding. Uh, the Kansas Cityites. I'm kidding. Uh, great finish. They made, But they made us enter a certain gate and stay only in our section of the park. They kept announcing masks required unless actively eating or drinking. And I, from my experience at a ballpark, even though it's outdoors essentially and literally outdoors in Chicago, everybody's spaced apart. Everybody who wants to be vaccinated is vaccinated, but they kept holding up signs. Wear a mask, please. Wear a mask, please. And nobody was in the seats. Well, I think probably 25% of people were in their seats, but, but then we all went to the restrooms like sardines. And when the game was over, we left the park like cattle. Dumb arbitrary rules. Yep. COVID theater. Uh, so frustrating anyway, I promised you I'd pay this off so here it is, the idiotic the unthinkably moronic non-controversy over the Jeopardy champion who gave a white supremacist symbol boogity, boogity, white supremacist, boogity um, and he didn't he just held up the number three to indicate he won three times, duh this, uh, this heartfelt, over the top harlequin letter written by other past contestants included these phrases based on the evidence that we've seen being bandied about elsewhere there's a real possibility he was either giving a white power or a three percenter hand gesture wrote one moderator a middle school teacher how perfect is that the wokest of the woke although we can't know his intent we're not here to provide safe harbor for white supremacists well if you don't know his intent how is it safe harbor we can't stand up for hate we can't stand next
1: to hate we cannot stand on stage with something that looks like hate you people are nuts and getty imagine you ask two people the same seven questions i'm mini driver and this was the idea i set out to explore in my podcast mini questions this year we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions including courtney cox rob delaney liz fair and many many more Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 7 Questions. Limitless Answers.
2: More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
3: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael.